And we're here to talk about building apps that run everywhere. <laughs> this week, we have a rambling chat about broken feet, bad movies, and bocce in an attempt to talk about anything but Avalio. Unfortunately, we fail miserably. The Niche Podcast is next. Hello. Hello. Sounds good. Good. How are you today? Uh, sounds like I'm doing better than you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm a little sore from all the all the twisting and poking they did this morning. Really? Yeah. And it, it turned out your foot is actually broken. Uh, yes, not badly, but yes. <laughs> it's a, a minor. Like barely broken. Yeah. <laughs> Well, what like the the instep or like a toe? No, it's uh, it's on the the outside of my foot, on the top of my foot. It's one of the one of the long bones on the top of the foot. Oh, jeez. Yeah. It's been like that for a month. Um, they said it was. Well, <laughs> I kind of kind of screwed it up twice. They said it was probably <laughs> said it was probably a stress fracture. And and then just, you know, dropping the dumbbell on my foot just kind of irritated me. <laughs> they don't, it doesn't, you know, not, I guess not the type of break. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know enough about reading x-rays to tell you, yeah. but. Yeah, it, feet, are, it, feet are funny like that, though. They don't like the dumbbell. Yeah. The dumbbell impact. Yeah. I, I wouldn't advise it. Exactly. So, uh. This is, I've been having a totally crazy day. It's like we're recording at four, which is even later than we usually get around to. Yeah. <laughs> so between the doctor's appointment and everything else. Yeah, we had, you know, we, we normally do it at 10 in the morning and had rescheduled to three and now it's four and yeah. yeah. Before you know it, it's going to be time for me to leave to go to bocce. Wednesday's my bocce night. Oh, Yeah. Very much looking forward to it. We're, we're probably not going to make the playoffs, but we're in the running, which is pretty good considering none of us have played. And we have a website. Yeah, I saw that. I was I was surprised to stumbled across it the other day. I guess I think you had tweeted about it, or someone had linked to it, or, or something. But, yeah. Huh, there there are videos of John playing bocce on the internet. <laughs> hey, yep. Just imagine. Imagine if we had the internet when we were little tiny kids, what videos would there would be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Horrifying. Yeah, so, I don't know. I mean, I mean, my, my kickboxing is is over with and done. You know, that's <laughs> the end of my kickboxing career, so. Yeah. <laughs> Soccer, <laughs> probably, too. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> oh, well. So what So what do we have this week? Yeah, I'm so scrambled. I just like it's like client meeting, client meeting, online training, compressing videos, answering email, podcast. <laughs> so I'm actually looking at the at the list from last week. I know there's a couple of things to talk about um with our our perennial app discussion about Avalio. Um and I <laughs> Uh, that is the main thing that's coming to mind. Okay. Was there, what did we, what did we do in the last week? I'm trying to remember what we did. It seems like a lot of, uh, seems like a lot, a lot of maintenance of stuff. Security scrambling and all of that yuckish, yuckishness. Yeah. 
Yeah, so like long weekend, of course, Friday afternoon at five. Get like the freak out, freak out call from the uh, client, sound the alarm, rush out a hot fix on the API server, and completely bork the application over the weekend. <laughs> yeah, come back Tuesday to uh, hundreds of support requests. And... Yeah, classic. I I felt so bad about that. Yeah, me too. But I did get, I did, I don't know if you saw the email, but uh, I sent uh, an edible arrangement to the customer service department. And yeah, they, I saw and that. they did thank us. So that was good. So hopefully we're out of the doghouse. Yeah, at least they had, they had fruit and chocolate to get them through all the support emails. So. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't want the, I don't want the dagger stare next time I go down on site. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was fun. But the, the, I don't have a, I don't have a bug report to start off with. I can't think of anything. Can you think of anything that we fixed since last we spoke? Um, other than things <laughs> that we also broke yeah. first. No. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the that's the bug report. Uh, we we created a bug and then fixed it. Yeah. So you know, we just just if we can't if we don't have anything come up for a bug report, we'll just make our own. Clearly. Yes. But, <laughs> um, no, not really. I'm I'm in the process of adding some features to Happy Docs, but. There's nothing, nothing there yet. Oh, that's cool. That, that's a, worth mentioning, though. That's uh, some, what is it? Some bulk actions and that sort of thing. Yeah, I've noticed. I just want some bulk actions for editing some of the some of the resource properties. Because I've noticed, I'll do I'll do something like I'll go in and I'll create a resource, and then there will be like three or four other resources that share similar properties so i'll just clone that one resource over and over and over and then go in and, and edit what's different and then i'll realize that there was a typo and maybe you know maybe i typoed the label or the tag mm. or so i'll have to go in and edit each one individually and so i'm just making making some bulk editing options where you can can change various various elements and you know just just select select the resources you want to edit and have it bring up a page with one or two fields for for each resource that you want to change, and, and you can just go in and make all your changes there on one screen, and cool. affect multiple records. Yeah, that's gonna be awesome. Yeah, I think it'll I think it'll get a lot of use. I've been wanting it for a long time. I've just been lazy about building it, but now that we're putting more documentation in there, it's getting to the point. I mean, we have we have some some APIs documented that'll have seventy or eighty different endpoints. Yeah. So. Yeah. It'll be really nice to be able to edit them more than more than one at a time right yeah i'm sure have you have you had the impulse yet to actually go straight to the database and do like a a, a, a like a bulk update directly yeah not database? only have i had the impulse i have i have followed through <laughs> yeah right so that's definitely a sign that you need the feature yeah yeah that's a sign that you need to build a new feature into the app uh-huh i was actually pretty happy with uh happy the other day when um we had a sort of older api that we put together with code igniter and it was it was not really rest but it's it still makes sense inside of happy so it's like uh it's a, a little bit weird because almost everything's a, a get and there's some posts and but it, you know and we've got a lot of non rest style um organization in the urls but it still works just fine it, like it it makes sense and it'll be very useful to the people that have to use the api you know the documentation to build stuff on the api right yeah. Yeah, I was pleased with how well it how well it worked out in there. Like you said, it's not not really a restful API at all, but still it it works for it. You know, things kinda kinda look a little weird, but still the documentation 
Yeah, they they look weird, but it's the structure of the API that's weird, and not the documentation. So right, and it holds up. I mean, it'll be it'll still be able to output a PDF or whatever, or give people right. access to the system and be like, here here's how it works. Yeah, I think it'll I think it'll work really well, and I think it'll help uh, the the other people that we have coming in maybe wanting to wanting to do some some data gathering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, and we're going to be using the. Uh, it, it makes sense to update Happy because we're going to be using the heck out of that. We've got um, uh, another API job today, uh, API documentation job close today, and I'm sure there'll be plenty more coming up. So, super cool. useful tool. Yeah, I use it. I use it all the time. I probably use it more than more than just about any other web app now, except for maybe Gmail and GitHub. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. That's awesome. Yeah, I have I have some personal projects documented on there and what have you. So. Yep. Oh, that's well. It's, it's, I, my secret dream is that someday GitHub will integrate with it or buy it or take it or whatever and just use the yeah i, I would love to yeah see, i wish this was built I saw, into you know, I, I saw the the blog post about 37 signals moving their api documentation to github and i'm just like oh oh i didn't <laughs> we see could, that. we could so serve that did not see that they're putting their docs in github that's what it said i believe like like the wiki section i don't know i haven't uh, i just i i saw the headline and like a brief over or a brief overview and then I was busy doing something and never bothered to read it further, but there was a blog post about it on, on their blog a while back. Mm. I stopped following their blog a long time ago. Yeah. It's, uh, the signal to noise ratio was not the case. Yeah. Yeah. The signal versus noise. I was, I was not happy with the ratio of, of yeah. signal to noise. Yeah. I, I actually, I like their stuff. I think they're smart. It's they are They do, I think I'll cultivate that grading type of personality. Yeah, and eventually it starts to grate on you. Yeah, but they know how to they know how to fire up a conversation. That's for sure. Yeah, there's there's no doubt they know what they're doing, but mm -hmm. the, the just the, the personalities don't. I don't know. Works for them, fine for them. Just yep. kind of grates on me after a while. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, um, that reminded me of a uh, a quick story about. Um, the, do you remember when you and I, I think it was you and I talking about the the changes that they made, 37 Signals made to their new version of Basecamp mm -hmm. that um, they're, you know, in, in uh, uh, DHA, Dave Hein, I can't, I don't even know if I can say his name, David Heineminer Hansen, whatever, mm -hmm. the creator of Ruby on Rails and 37 Signals, uh, Honcho. Um had this sort of blog post about how they built the new version of Basecamp and it, and it was incredibly centered around speed and they wanted the interface to be insanely responsive, which I, it is, it's nuts. Um, I'm not saying I like it or I don't like it, but one thing's for sure is it's wicked fast. So yeah, they, they certainly accomplished what they set out to there in terms of speed. Yeah, no doubt. And, and, there was sort of this, I can't remember how the debate started, but of course, like people were disagreeing about um, whether or not you could achieve that kind of speed with uh, a heavy sort of JavaScript based front end client. Where, you know, where, oh, right. It was a, it was a debate on Hacker News. Is that what it was? Yeah. And, and it was, I'm, I'm probably getting it wrong or paraphrasing it too severely, but Basically, it was like two schools of thought where you basically write your app in JavaScript. It gets delivered to the browser, and the browser communicates with your API directly. 
um, or, or at least has a lot of JavaScript smarts on the front end. And then the flip side of that is to render everything on the server and send it down to the client pre like pre-rendered. And, uh, and they went with the latter so that they're pre-rendering mm -hmm. everything. Uh, and he had reasons for that and um, that were some of which were sort of sort of cultural, like the kind of way he wants to code sort of thing. And also there were, there were, he gave very specific references about their ability to cache results and things like that. Um, and you got to hand it to him, the thing's wicked fast. So yeah. the, the reason I bring that up is because from a, from a psychological standpoint or from a, you know, I'm like a JavaScript guy. I can't even remember. I have to re refresh my memory when I switch over to something like PHP. I have to remember how to do it. And I'm like a certified PHP developer and I can't even remember it. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's crazy. Um, that's how much, that, that's pretty much I code in JavaScript only these days. And mm -hmm. so I'm a really attracted to the idea of the sending, sending the, writing the client in JavaScript and sending it down to the browser. But I also like, you know, fast interface. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, how, you know, we sort of wonder about that. Like, is that, is there a, 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 there is a limitation. The question is, is, is it an important limitation of, of that approach? Um, you know, obviously, you know, DHH is pretty familiar with Rails. Uh, so he's much more comfortable writing in that style on the server side. I'm more comfortable writing on the, the client side. Um, and so then this week, I think it was this week, I just saw the, the, uh, the blog post, but Twitter uh, did the same thing. So mm. that Twitter is now for the same reason to they they measure uh, a metric called time to first tweet I think it is so the, mm -hmm. the time from when you visit a URL to the time when you can start reading tweets at that URL and they have already started switching over to uh, removing the hash bang from the um, URLs and yeah I saw that yeah and so it was it was a, I think the same thread where. They're also pre-rendering a lot of stuff on the server side and finding that, um, you know, the, the responsiveness is a lot quicker. So if you go to the, a permalink for a tweet, you know, which is a, like a URL that goes directly to a specific tweet and doesn't show anything else, um, those yeah. pages should be updated by now so that you would see that sort of new experience where the JavaScript doesn't have to think about anything. Um, yeah, because they used, to, they used to render really slowly. It, I, yeah, I mean, there, there are definitely, there are times when I will load the, um, you know, in my desktop browser, I'll load the Twitter, uh, like I have a bookmark that goes straight to a list of a subset of the people I follow overall. It's kind of like mm -hmm. uh, friends and family list, you know, like colleagues and stuff like that. And I, I want to make sure I don't miss their comments in the overall stream. Um, right. So I, t I bookmark that directly. And so a lot of times I'll go there and I'll know that I'm up to date. With so I'll hit the bookmark. It'll start loading that. And I'll know that I already read that like five minutes ago. So I'll, t I'll click on either the, the main Twitter feed of I'm following like a thousand people, you know, tech people. And, and that's a fun feed to read too, but I read it less often. But if the, if the, if the bookmark hasn't finished loading and I tap on either connect or the other feed, it just it just doesn't know what to do. Like if it literally breaks. So like the URL says one thing, but it's showing something else uh, on the, in the browser. So it'll say I'm on the connect tab in the URL, but I'm really not. And, 
and it does get screwed up and it's kind of funny because it's it's this pendulum seems to be swinging back a little bit um to that kind of server side approach to you know generating all your all your uh all your markup essentially with little snippets of javascript uh and sending down sending it down pre-rendered uh to the client which feels like a step backwards to me but it's clearly faster yeah it's there's a there's a trade-off i think you you lose kind of you lose some of the flexibility like we're doing with the the api first approach but at the same time there is definitely they're getting a speed performance a, a speed increase performance increase there right but um you know i guess it just all depends so we could we could do the same and still take an api approach and then we could have we could on the back end we could communicate with the api and and render and send to the front end that way and you know, you know, still just and kind of create that middle layer there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And still, I, yeah. I think that, you know, when you're talking about either Basecamp or Twitter or any of these, like, massively, you know, massively scaled systems, you're in a whole different realm. And, you know, a small optimization makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I'm not... Um, I'm certainly, uh, I'm certainly thinking about it more now. That, and in fact, the approach that I would probably take next is the one you just described, where for a web app, you, you know, the web app is written on the server and it's generated on the server and it communicates with the API on the server, uh, and sends back the pre-rendered HTML to the client, and that's. It just feels like, I mean, that's that's fine, actually. It feels like you're kind of writing some stuff twice, though. But um, but it does it does make sense. It would also allow you to uh, secure access to the API a little bit easier than we've like we've been dealing with in, in other situations where the client's talking directly to the API. It's very difficult to secure the API. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's so that is another consideration. Um. So that kind of leads into another a related topic, which was the the one thing that I was sure I wanted to talk about this week, which was that the launch impulse idea that we started on last week, where uh, of course this is for Avalio, which is the you know domain search, and and since we first made it, the goal of Avalio was to be the you know the most mobile friendly domain search. And I'm actually thinking about changing that to the most future-friendly domain search because of what we started <laughs> doing. So, so last week or two weeks ago, we set up IM and SMS interaction with directly with the API, so you right. can talk. And, and now we never use the web client. And now we never use the web client. Um, but you know, SMS is still mobile. But IM's not really mobile. I mean, you can use it on mobile, but I n- almost never do unless I'm on like an right. extended, you know, extended visit with Mr. Sh- <laughs> I can't right. say it with a straight face with Mistress Stairmaster, as I like to call her. <laughs> and uh, the the thing is, so the thing we were talking about was that the psychological difference between dealing with uh, these sort of these sort of like you know these apps that are like are i'm trying not to use the word friends but these apps like sms 
and um, I am. These are these apps are what you use to connect with people you are close to, um, and and when the app is in that list, it gives me a friendly feeling about the app, and it and my launch impulse is to go for one of those instead of the web client. So I wanted to build on that. We were talking, and I was like, what are the other applications that you have open all day long? Yeah, we ended up, you actually ended up, I think you built a couple of them. Yeah. A night there. Yeah. Well, because, yes, because we have the API already, so it's so easy to do all these other ones, Um, at least, at least a first version. But, and it's, it's got to the point where I, I can't. I think it's a good idea. I've got enough. I've got enough experience with the two. I built a, a Chrome extension for Avalios that that you can just select text on a page and it will send that text to the API and tell you if the .com is available, and and also um, a TextMate bundle. That same thing. You can select any text and 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 hit it with a key command. Just immediately find out from Avalio if uh, the domain is available, and it's. It's shocking the way it, it it is just it's kind of blowing my mind um, the the oh, it's changing the way that I view the application or even what an application is mm-hmm. you know what I mean it's it's kind of it's messing with me and that's why it's it's become not like a, it's not like a mobile friendly domain search it's like a that's why i was thinking future friendly domain search it's just like domain search everywhere the app is like infecting all of my it's like a it's like a domain search virus in my applications so so the thing that is occurring to me is that we've got some other applications that are that we haven't really fleshed out yet but they're you know got proof of concepts built that we can't can't seem to get to yet um, and there's one in particular that I'm thinking of that f- for which competition does exist. Like Avalio, of course, competition exists, but I don't, it's just like you could search for domains anywhere you want. Well, I guess it, I guess it counts for Avalio too. Um, but but I can think of a particular app that uh, you know I, I want us to build that would be a paid application, like something you actually charge for. And you know, mm-hmm. and I'm aware of competitors that I think. Um, you know, I think they the way that they implemented it, it kind of does the same thing, but I'm not a fan of the way that they implemented it. So I don't use them. Therefore, I was like, oh, we should make this other app that does things differently. So that's been in the back of my mind. It's like, okay, how do we differentiate? And then and then all of this, and then this stuff with Avalio just become be, like entering into these other applications. There's like no, no competition. There's like no way anybody would i mean theoretically these other applications could try and do the same thing uh and create like clients for you know to go everywhere as well but it seems like the trend is for sites to integrate with each other using like this sort of like oauth approach that twitter uses and and uh if this then that and facebook and and Google apps and all these things are kind of like authenticating with each other, but they're all very, very webby. It doesn't really work that great anywhere else. Right. And I, I it's interesting cause I'm, it's just blowing my mind in case you couldn't tell, but as like a web person to see how easy it is to write clients anywhere that 
that give you the same or nearly the same functionality. And the sick part is I wrote two clients in one night. Yeah. Yeah. You had the, the Chrome extension, the TextMag bundle, both in one. Well, you wrote a command line client for it that night, too. Oh, right. Yeah. So I wrote three clients in one night that, yeah. you know, and they're very simple. They just, you know, they just do a very simple version of the overall functionality. But I don't care. Like as a user, I don't care. Like that's almost everything I want. Right. And if you did want to extend on it, you know, the, the functionality in the API is there. You just do it. But, yeah, you were able to get the basics up and running and just, you know, like an hour. A couple hours, yeah. Yeah. It was like – and so, yeah, so command line client, uh, SMS and IM we had before, the command line client and the um, Chrome extension. And so mm -hmm. here's, here's another thing that was really interesting that, that um, I think is worth mentioning is that when I – when I was thinking, you know, we were talking like, well, what apps do you have open all day? And right. we thought about, you know, like for me, it's definitely I am um, TextMate constantly. TextMate is open. Uh, I'm checking my email, but that's always in the browser. Um, and then there are a few sites that I leave open a lot. I'm constantly launching Basecamp. I'm constantly launching GitHub. Um but when I can, you know, so anyway, so the browser's always open. TextMate's always open. IM is always open. Terminal's virtually always open. Dropbox is always there. And Calendar is almost always open. Yeah. So, you know, we were going through those. And you had a couple You had a couple of additional ones, I think. Um, we talked about IRC, but it didn't seem like that would be a great fit. Yeah, it might have, might have been a good fit like 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, Skype, was, Skype was the other one, but we're yeah. worried about licensing. Skype, Dropbox. Yeah, Dropbox. Dropbox is, Dropbox is really interesting. I'm, I'm kind of interested in actually trying that one out. Yeah, that one's genius. That's a really cool idea. Have like a watched folder that just updates you every day. And it has like uh, growl interact integration. So it could, you could literally be sitting there and like a notification pops up that's like, oh, that thing you searched for yesterday became available. Or I mean, that's unlikely because domains don't work like that, but... You could technically do it. Yeah. Yeah, you could just have a Dropbox holder with a wish list. Right. And, and it would just then, update it like every day. Right. And then once automatically already, when stuff gets updated in Dropbox, you get a notification. Yeah. So cool. So the other so so one of the things that I was I thought uh, you know, so one of the one of the things that surprised me that night when I put together those uh, those clients was that I was like, oh, I'll do first. I'll do a command line client, and then I'll take that code and I'll use that as the um, uh, the TextMate bundle. Mm -hmm. I'll just like literally paste it in there. Uh, I was like, I considered. I was like, oh well, maybe I could just access the the command, I mean, you can just access the command line from TextMate, but I was, I was like, no, I want it to be like, I, I want it to be independent, not have that dependency. I want it to be just a package. And so here's what was funny. Like I, I did that and then I was like, oh, you know what? The interaction model is different in TextMate than it is from the terminal, which is obvious when you say it, but, mm -hmm. but it's like the behavior, I wanted it to be a little different. Because TextMate is different than the terminal, you know, it, it's a, it's, so for example, um, and the, you know, in command line, of course you type a value space and then a string. And if the string has a TLD on it, it searches for that. If it doesn't, it just, 
appends.com and searches for the dot com. Um, it tells you if it's available or not. But in the in the you know in TextMate, you're not going to type Avalio first, of course. You're probably going to select some text that's on the page, or or you're just or you're just on a page doing something, and an occur, something occurs to you, you're just going to type the name, and then you want a keyboard command to do it. Like you don't want mm-hmm. you don't want to like type anything. You just want to just like bang hit the keyboard command and have it. Right. You don't. You don't want to type anything. You don't want to have to deal with with mouse interaction with menus. And I mean, you want the want the menu options there, but you mainly you want to just be able to select text and hit a keyboard shortcut. Right. So it was just it, it, and the I don't know. It was just interesting because I thought like, oh, it'll be exactly the same. I pasted the code in, and I ended up changing. And I was thinking, oh, well, how am I gonna how am I gonna store this code and then fork it, you know, for the bundle? And then I'm like, oh, wait a second. It started to get more and more different. In 15 minutes, it was two different code bases. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, you know it showed progress bar, and I didn't. It doesn't do that yet, but I'm going to put that in. In TextMeet, you can show a progress bar very easily. Um, I'm in. In fact, I'm going to end up rewriting it in Ruby, the bundle in Ruby, even though I wrote the uh, command line client in PHP. There's going to be no yep. shared code. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I um I may actually end up doing a Sublime plugin for it in Python. So Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah. I was like even the and messaging. It's it's simultaneously awesome though because you can it it we literally have got to the point with it where we can we can have a client anywhere and it's just on a psychological level it just it feels completely different. Yeah. It comes to you. Oh, did I lose you again? Uh, you kind of broke up there. I didn't oh, hear. What, didn't catch you. Yeah, the the app comes to you. It just it it comes yeah. where you are. It's this is this is a weird side story, but but I, you know, like my undergraduate degrees in music, and and I, for a long time, did this sort of solo singer songwriter thing, like acoustic guy crooning on the street with a guitar, and I was always a. a I did two kinds of gigs. I would sort of tour around the Northeast and go, you know, play clubs in Boston, Providence, and New York. And the whole process of that was like, you had this whole big thing where you'd like send up back in the day. This is how I got into computers, actually. Uh, got back into computers was that I was doing mailing lists in uh, Microsoft Access. So you're just sending out these mailing lists constantly and paying for postage. And you're just constantly trying to get people to come and, come and see you play and constantly just like, like, uh, I mean, it was like a two level thing. First, you have to convince people that it's fun to go out because people were yeah. like, not doing that as much. And, and then convince them to come out to see you. And <clears throat> after a while, I was like, not only is it hard and not even the fun part, but there's, you know, I'm like walking around all day in the city and there's people everywhere. Why don't I just play here? You know, and it's just like, so I started you know, playing on the street, which was a lot more fun because you're spending more of your time doing the part that you like, which is entertaining people. Yeah. And, and the money was just as good. I mean, you could make just as much <laughs> money playing on the street as you could in any club. Uh, and, and, and I, I, I always thought of it like, I don't know if I ever articulated this, but I always felt internally like I was bringing the music to where the people were, bringing the show to where people were instead of trying to convince mm-hmm. people to show up in the environment that was more comfortable for me. Right. And this feels like this exact same thing. Yeah, it does. And I can I can definitely see the relation there. 
there um there used to be a guy when I lived in Calgary that would play get his saxophone and do some jazz downtown and it does again it just brings a completely different feeling into it so yeah you do kind of get that that same feeling which is really weird to say that but it's just you know it's it's there and it's it's comfortable and it's just it's it's easy and you don't even have to think about it it's just you want to look up a domain Okay, look up a domain. It's not, where do I have to go to look up a domain? What do I have to do? It's, okay, look up a domain. <laughs> yeah, right here. It's it's almost like you just, the information just becomes knowledge so fast. Like from the from the moment that you have the thought, the answer is there. Yeah, we need to we need to get some some Google 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 Glass. I can't say that. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the Google glasses and and do some Avalio integration. Yeah, totally. <laughs> just turn on you just turn on the Avalio plugin and every piece of printed text that you look at searches for talk. Yeah, <laughs> we'd have to scale the server up. And by the case. way, this is available. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Blink twice to buy this now. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, the 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 clients uh I guess the the summary is that that I really, really like the idea of having it, the Valio tool, the problem that it solves. I can't even call it an app. Like the tool that it is or the knowledge that it gives you, I'd rather see that, you know, injected into the places where people are already working. And then the, and the, the difference in the, I'm just really surprised to see that the clients that we, that I couldn't, and I think it would be inappropriate to try and create the same sort of client experience. Even the messaging and uh, the interaction models in each of the applications, they should be more like the application that you're in and less like Avalio. Right. If that makes sense. So the the TextMate bundle should be more like TextMate than Avalio. You know, it should take on it should take on the properties of what it's like when you're working in TextMate and have nothing to do with value. You just want the piece of data. Um, right. I don't know. It's just really, really weird, but I can see immediately that we're going to have like a half a dozen, if not more, completely different clients with a completely different code base that um, that are relatively simple, so it's not a mm -hmm. big maintenance nightmare. They're not like these monolithic applications. Um, but you know, we add one, we add that one buy now feature in there and all of a sudden the whole, like all of those applications become incredibly, incredibly powerful. It's really oh, cool. Yeah. So I, I'm liking the idea of lots of little applications built into other apps and, and less, I'm just, the, the web interface just feels so blah to me now. It, it feels... It feels like work, and the others don't really feel like work. Yeah, yeah, that's that's totally true. That's true. It feels like I'm working when I'm using the web interface, and it's not because the web interface is slow or clunky or anything like that. It's like if I've already got the word typed in TextMate, or it's already been typed by someone else into my browser, why am I going to launch Valio and like type it in again? It's typed. Yeah. It's right there. O open a tab, go to the URL, enter the domain click search it's not a lot to do but when you can just select the text that's already there and hit a key you know by comparison it's a lot because you don't and not have to leave the app that you're in 
know, that's and that's that's another thing too. When I get into my editing code and working in in Sublime, I can spend hours just banging out code in my editor, or you know maybe switching between the editor and the terminal. But I you know I may go for hours doing development work without even looking at a web browser, mm. and. So just to, to not have to leave those applications if I have an idea and want to look up something. you Because, know, you know, maybe I do, maybe once we get the buy now links, maybe I'm going to look up something and, and say, oh, yeah, I want that, and I'm going to go ahead and go through the process. But then, you know, to just to not have to leave the application, and I can either say, oh, yeah, that's that's available, I'll do it later, or, oh, it's not available, I'll just go about my business. Right. To me, streamlining that workflow is really important to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy. It's like a, a fundamental shift. Anyway, I'm I'm rambling about it. I've been going on about it for too long. I'm just like super excited. I think it's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> I just love it. So, so that's super fun. I'm completely jazzed about that. Um, and and then really, you know, I feel like at some point we. <laughs> Uh, it's time to say, all right, this is at the, we're taking it so far that, you know, let's apply these, see what happens when we apply these theories to a completely different kind of application and see if, see if anything about that was specific to, you know, um, Valio, or if there's something that, uh, is there something that we've stumbled upon that is universal about it? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's going to get, I feel like the process is going to get a little a little bit more complicated when we start dealing with authentication and some security issues that Avalio doesn't have. Right. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the other thing that's come up that's interesting is that certain environments are, by definition, pre-authenticated, like SMS and um, or pre. Yeah, I mean, authenticated maybe not the right word, but but they're they're not anonymous. Right. So uh, you know, email, IM, SMS all not anonymous environments. So it's very easy to create uh, a chat log or a, sorry, a search log and bind those searches together so that we could deliver to you in the future. So if you're chatting from a particular, uh, you know, I am account, we can send you a confirmation and we make sure that you actually own it. And then, you know, it's like, it's a little bit easier than say at the command line or inside a text mate or even in the web browser, like without creating a an account and making that process even clunkier, the web mobile web process or the desktop web process, how do you do it in a way that um, that all of your searches will be stored in a location where you don't have to worry about it while you're doing it? You can say, oh, I know everything that I'm doing, whether it's in TextMate or the command line or IM, all these searches are getting saved into a log and I can go back later and and see if the ones that I found, if I still like them, if they're still available, that kind of thing. Right. Right. You don't. It's not the same as having an authentication layer there, but you are linked to an identity. An identity, right. And for the most part, you know, security is not a huge issue with Avalio. I mean, the worst that can happen is someone is going to get a list of domains you've searched for. Right. Yeah. All right. So that's probably enough. We've probably talked about enough Avalio for one week. <laughs> yeah, we have to hit on it. You know, at least once yeah. during the podcast. So yeah, the Avalio podcast. So yeah, yeah. it's we got to we got to shoot that in the head at some point and start uh, moving on to a new thing. So we just have something uh, different to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Our listener's gonna get bored. Yes, the poor listener. 
Yeah, maybe maybe we'll need to get back to Hatch. Hatch is the one. See, that's that's the one that I can really imagine. Um, uh, I can really is the one that I imagine has the most um, paid competition. So I envisioned mm-hmm. Hatch originally as a um, as a freemium style model where there's a free level and then a pro model, and you know it's like uh, it's you know the tagline is that it's a Twitter client for night owls. So there there are times when it's more um, effective to tweet, and those times are you know midday midweek uh, midday during the work week. In fact, I just saw a blog post from Bitly that said if you don't if you don't post a tweet. Um, you know, if, if, if it's like after five on Friday or after four, I think they said on Friday, you might as well not tweet cause no one's watching. Um, and that's, <laughs> and that, you know, you could, you could look at that two ways. You could say, well, there are very, tweet volume has gone way down. So maybe that's a good time to tweet, but in general, um, you know, in the middle of the night, no one's going to see what you tweeted. And I yeah. had, when Cooper was born, I was on the night shift and I would sit there and read my news feeds and there's a bunch of stuff I wanted to share. But if I knew if I tweeted it, it would just be like lost by the time anybody woke up. So I wrote the Hatch Proof of Concept. And I know there there are other apps out there that do a very similar thing. In fact, I tried a couple of them and just uh, some in most cases, they were either atrocious or just had way too many features for me, you know. And I just wanted a couple of simple things. It's like the case with me always, I'm like, I think I would have been a Unix guy if I was uh, 20 years older where I just want a couple, I just want lots of simple commands that I can pipe together any way that I choose. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, you know, so I put together a proof of concept. Um, it, you know, it works and it would be so interesting to see, to see how, um, that would manifest itself inside of TextMate or in Dropbox or over IM or or whatever. You know, you would you would be you would want to know different things in different situations. Like I'm not gonna, uh, I could imagine um, posting a tweet from inside. You know, scheduling a tweet from inside of TextMate very easily. Uh, or same with IM. But you know, what other features would you, would you want to do there and what ones wouldn't you want to? And can the, does the app really exist conceptually? Can the app exist in a useful way in any of those other environments? Not, not sure really. Right. Yeah. It's much more complicated. It's a, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not a complicated app, but Avalio is so simple that, you know, it might be complicated enough that you can't do the things you want to do. Yeah. That in some situations it's just not practical. Right, right. Yeah, like there were there were a couple of times where I was like, well, uh, I wish I could think of it, where I was like, well, I could, I could do this over IM, but it would be harder. <laughs> so, like, yeah. not, not just, like, a lot harder, so why would I do that? Uh, and so, I can, like, I can imagine, you know, Hatch, for example, you, you, you put all of these uh, tweets to be into a queue, so you put all these messages into a queue, and they sort of, sort of dribble out throughout the throughout the hour your active hours so if you have if you're my like my active hours are monday through friday nine to six nine a.m to six p.m and i just throw tweets in there and then every hour uh the next one goes out and a lot of times you'll want to do things like pause the queue when there's a a big news event like when steve jobs died you know you don't want to be posting like you know twitter was 100 percent about steve jobs and you didn't want to be like 
hey, the new Prius looks cool. Like it just, it, you know, it doesn't yeah. make sense. <laughs> right. It's kind of in bad taste. Yeah, is it, yeah, potentially in bad taste. So there are certain times you want to pause it. Um, uh, but most often what happens is you, as you pile, pile uh, tweets into the queue, a lot of times you have like a hot one that you want to move up to the top. Like, so you add it, it goes to the bottom, and then you want to place it somewhere in the list. Uh, and that something like that would be incredibly hard to, it's hard to imagine how you do that uh, on the command line or IM or SMS in a way that would be easier than launching the browser and dragging it up three notches. Right. I can think of ways to do it, but I don't think any of them are actually easier. Right. So you, you need to, I think in all of these cases, you need to sort of parse out what the uh, carve out the piece of functionality that makes the most sense for that kind of, I need to capture this idea super fast and I don't want to stop what I'm doing. Um, and, you know, maybe it just depends it to the queue or it depends it as a draft for you to come back to later or or whatever it is. But like you said, you get the whole, like, how do you authenticate? How do I authenticate inside of TextMate to my queue inside of Hatch? I, I don't know. <laughs> right. You'd, you'd have to have a config file somewhere. Yeah. Unless you wanted to authenticate every single time, in which case it would just be just you know, yeah, a headache. Like, I'm just going to launch the browser. So, in fact, the uh, there is a I have a bookmarklet for Hatch that does something very similar to um, the Chrome extension for uh, uh, Avalio, where you just you go in, you go to a web page, and you can hit the bookmarklet, and it'll shoot you over to the Avalio, sorry, the Hatch site and create a tweet in the queue that has, it'll ask you to authenticate if you're not already authenticated, and then it'll it'll put the title of the um, page that you are on and a shortened, bitly shortened URL to that page in the, in the edit box, and then you can edit, add things or whatever, and then add it to your queue. Or you can select text on the page if the title is crap. Um, a lot yeah. of titles are too vague or, or just like, or too generic. They're like a title for the entire site. Um, so you can select like a particular quote on the page that you think is more relevant than the title and hit the bookmarklet and it'll use that instead. And I use that constantly. Um, I, I really, theoretically, I should turn it into a Chrome extension, but I don't know what I would add. And I can use the bookmarklet in Chrome or Firefox or uh, Safari or, or whatever, you know, browsers I use. Right. So it's... Uh, it's funny because I'm sure there will be lots and lots of differences between where, what the, uh, I don't know what to call them, the infected applications. Like what should we call them? I guess they're host applications. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, infected is good. <laughs> yeah, infected apps. There's a the hatch hatch enabled. Yeah. Yeah. So so I guess I guess I mean I guess they're host apps. So you you have this host app like TextMate, um, or or I am or something. I don't know and and what makes sense inside of what does that experience look like? What's the hatch experience if you're inside of TextMate? What are the right. things that you would want to do of all the things you can do? Um, yeah, it's just like super, super, uh, it's really, like I said before, it's really blown my mind. It's really making a sharp distinction for me between the client and the API and like what code should go where. Oh yeah, Definitely. Definitely. Uh, so let's see. <clears throat> and I would I would just like to throw it out there: if you're building complex complex clients, 
to test with complex APIs, maybe have a copy of that client. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we had, yeah, was, we can sort of... Sorry, a little rant. No, I know. We had that, the, the bug we created and fixed over the long weekend. It's just like a complicated, it's a complicated situation where lots of, you know, there's a client and the client has lots of um, outside agencies working on different pieces of larger systems. And there's time zone issues and there are platform issues. And uh, fortunately, we don't have any language, ser serious language barriers, but uh, it's very, it's not as easy as it, it uh, as I would like to have access to the latest version of all the pieces of the code uh, in, in order to test them. So, yeah, it's, it's really highlighted for me the need to streamline and fully integrate that testing process. Mm -hmm. And I know we just recently got into testing the APIs, unit testing those with some, some automated testing frameworks and what have you, but it's, it's really, and, and now that I've started doing that, I really like it, but this, this whole experience has really kind of hit home for me that testing needs a lot more focus in software development and particularly software, software development for the web than it probably gets. Mm. Well, I think part of this problem that is part of this problem that I think makes it really, really a challenging issue is that it's a desktop client right? talking to the API. So it's like a literally a packaged piece of software on a CD with an installer. So, I mean, that's, that's why we, you know, that's why we don't have it to test with because the, you know, the, the developer who's doing the packaged application has to actually, you know, create it, release a build. It has to be test data, has to be pointed at the test server. Oh um, yeah. I mean, I, I fully understand it's a, it's a complicated process, especially in this, in this particular instance. Yeah. Frustrating. I mean, there's a lot of, if, if the architecture could be different, it would be a lot easier um, to, to do testing and make sure the security was the way that we want it. But, uh, yeah. And I'm sure, I know they do, a, they do a fair bit of testing themselves. Oh yeah. Yeah, they do. It's like, it's just, we need to get in the yeah. loop there somehow. Right. Right. It's, it's not like the app is going out untested. They have, have some pretty good quality control there. And I know they do a lot of testing themselves, but we've kind of been developing the API a little separately from that. And on one hand, it's good because the API can be totally separate. And so we can have that autonomy, but mm -hmm. at the same time, we, you know, testing is, is something you definitely need to, to bring everybody in. On. Right. Yeah. Now they've got two layers. They have like uh they have like an outside testing. One of the firms is outside firms test, test the app. And then when they feel like they've got it all ironed out, then they send it to the internal QA team and mm -hmm. they test it before actually, you know, releasing it. And it really was my fault that, that we, I was like, you know, I was like, do a hot fix on the server. I mean, that's that's the main problem. Because if we <laughs> did it to the test server, it would have gotten tested, but it would have taken two weeks before that happened, which yeah. would have been better in retrospect. And that's what I should have had you do. But, um, you know, lesson learned. It's been a it's been kind of a rough week for us, hasn't it? Yeah. It's it's only two it's only Wednesday and we didn't work Monday and we haven't other than the security issues, we haven't actually done a lot this week that I'm already waiting, you know, counting down the days to the weekend. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm glad I have bad movie night tonight. Do can you share the selection? Uh we're doing uh Buckaroo Bonsai. Oh, I thought that was last week. 
No, we we had scheduled it. Last, we scheduled it last week, uh, but we're not doing it till. You know, we we don't we end up doing them like maybe once every six weeks or so, once a month or so. Cool. That's not like a not like a weekly thing, but. I fear that you're gonna find it doesn't fall into the bad movie category. It doesn't. No, I don't. I wouldn't. I would not qualify that. Is it's certainly not awesomely bad. Right. It's awesomely eighties. But I think you might actually like it. Yeah, that's that's good. Good movies are good. Good movies are good too. That's acceptable. It's mm. just, just that we we tend toward <laughs> choosing bad ones. Yeah. I mean, it's campy as anything, but. Uh... Yeah. It's, you know, John Lithgow, just like over the top. It's, it's, you're gonna, yeah, I think you're gonna like it. Yeah. Cool. So. Yeah. I've, I've, I've heard it's, I've heard good things about it. Richard's, Richard's seen it. And I ha I have never seen it. And I, I don't, actually, I don't think Wyatt has either. So. Wow. I'm jealous. You're in for yeah, a treat. It, you're in for a B movie. Yeah. It, it feels like a movie I should have seen by now. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Um, all right, so let's just uh, let's just call it a show. And okay, we can call it that. Call it a show, and then you can go off to bad movie night, and I'll go off to bocce. So that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Schaefer. And we'll see you again next week for the Niche Podcast. What?